You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You push play and they'll push the limits. It's your boy Tom here and we are back with another episode of the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast. Ooh, fellas, 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 what a weekend we have had. First of all, I got to ask D. I was gonna ask how your weekend is, but I just noticed the background. We got a playhouse back there. What did, did you leave or something? Did you leave the house or something? Because the kids are taking over the podcast. A- absolutely, I did leave uh, and went on a bike trip. But before we get into all that time, I want to talk about what you had going on this weekend. What what did you have going on this weekend, man? Let's talk about that. Yes, sir. So as I've mentioned a few times on here, you know, time has taken an interest in poker and trying to up my poker game and become a poker legend uh, because, you know, I'm tired of being the only non-professional uh, something on this podcast. So I'm being a professional <laughs> poker player. That way, you know, that way when we go to WrestleMania, we can play credit card roulette and I got to worry about losing my whole uh, bank account. <laughs> I, 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 I have this question for you, Tom. Uh, What's your question? You- uh, as it relates to poker. So you joined the poker tournament. How many people were in this tournament? And uh, does does skill or luck or does it a combination of the two in terms of you being good at poker? Right. So, yeah, so this tournament, there were 787 people that entered it. So what oh it is, it's a, yeah, and it's a main event. Um, so, like kind of World Poker Tour is the one putting it on, but it's like a little side circuit event um, at Choctaw, and it's a thirty hundred dollar, thirty eight hundred dollar buy in. First place is walking out with five hundred k, so it's, you know it's a pretty big, pretty big uh, tournament. And you know uh, you play down to the first day you, we played down to because there's two flights. It starts over two days, um, and each each day plays ten levels, so each level is an hour. So you're just grinding poker for ten hours straight, uh, just wild. Then you go to day two, and then you play down to um, the top certain percentage. Um, but yeah, as far as your question about skill versus uh, luck, so obviously poker and and it's funny because I have this argument with Cynthia all the time. <laughs> poker is a is a gambling you know, uh, game. There's a gamble because there's an element of luck and element of chance that goes along with the cards, but it is a huge game of skill too, because you can tell like when you play with certain players, you can always tell who, who has the skills, who doesn't, um, because there's so much that goes into it, uh, that you wouldn't think about. Cause I started this journey of trying to learn how to play poker last July. I went and looked it up before I started playing this main event. I downloaded a book by Phil Helmuth and was like, how to play poker like the pros. And since then, you know, I read, I've read that and just been studying. And there was so much that goes into it, like pre-flop betting, post-flop uh, position that you don't think about if you're just a casual poker player that adds to that level of skill. That's why a lot of times you see the same guys up there at the end of the tournament because they do have the skills and the knowledge um, that can help them go farther into the tournaments so is there is there a way uh in this skill uh because i'm gonna try to equate it to um 
every other sport that um in this in this skill that you say i'm trying to see how i can i can say this um uh, in this skill can anybody possess this skill or is this something that you gotta kind of like you know you said you read his book uh after reading his book you was able to possess this same skill is it, so this is not something that like you can get better at it there, there's a peak here no, I think there are certain natural abilities that people have that can help them be better. Like if you're able to read people, that's obviously going to help you be better. If you're able to do quick math and statistics in your head, that's going to help you be better. Um, if you're able to, you know, hold hold your emotions uh, in poker, that's a big thing. Like it's called tilt. Being on tilt. Being on tilt is whenever something happens to you. That makes you upset because maybe you maybe somebody hit maybe somebody had one card that they could have to win. They hit, uh, you know, you can either one get pissed off and just start playing crazy, or two you can um, control your emotions and keep playing your normal game. And that's that's a skill, you know, that's a skill. I'm saying that if, if there are some natural abilities that help you be better, I don't think that every one person can be as good as another person, but I do think that anyone could learn how to play at an above average level. So I got a question. So when it comes to it, does do you think because you've read the book, it helps you? So like if you played against like our fantasy football weekend, if we play poker, you think it'll help you with that? Or the fact that none of us will play the way you're expecting because we're not pros, we're just playing casual, we might just do random things. Will that make it harder for you to read and understand what we're doing? Because we're not playing by a strategy, we're just going. Does that make it harder? Because I know when you're like in blackjack, Everybody's trying to play by the same rules. I don't do that, so it, it throws people off when they sit with me. So, how does that? How would that change your strategy if you're playing against people that aren't like, they don't take everything as serious, and they don't know everything is in depth. Right. So I've actually listened to a few videos because you know I play a few home games now too since I've uh, you know started learning how to play, and all the pros will tell you that you know playing a home game is so much different than playing in one of these tournaments because just like you said people aren't playing by the book they're not playing like how you would expect so like you know anybody could have anything you know when you're playing those home games and so it does make it more difficult to uh implement strategies but i think as a whole um you're still going to have an advantage playing against players that don't know uh, what you know or have the skills that you do because there's certain things about poker like position. Do you know what position in poker is? No clue. <clears throat> All right. So you know how in poker you have small blind, big blind, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So small blind and big blind are the first to act after the flop, which is the first three cards come right. down. And the farther away you are from small blind uh, uh, on the table, the better position you have because what you get to do is you get to see what everyone does before you. Right. Which is a huge advantage because if you know if it checks around to you and then you bet out, well now everyone has to make a decision like, okay, what could happen behind me? You know what I'm saying? Like somebody yeah. behind me could have an even better hand and is gonna raise. So it causes you to do things um based on your position that you might not have to do. So it's just like, you know, being in a better spot uh in poker is huge. And that's something I never thought about before. Uh, but you know, that's just, it's the little things like that, that as you learn more about the game that you, and that's like the, that's like a scratch of the surface of what goes into it. But to, to your point, Gary, yes, 
you and you know we could go there that weekend and you guys might clean me out for all my money just because I'm so used to playing with people that play a certain way. But it could also go the opposite way where it's like, hey, you're just throwing me all your money because you <laughs> you're not you're not playing you know a certain way. So it's just it's the the game of poker has become such a science. It's crazy. Like people have these charts that they read and study, like when to play certain hands, how to play certain hands. And it's just it's just wild how much of a science it's become. It's actually a battle in the poker world. Um, it's kind of like, you know, in, in sports where you have the analytics crowd versus, you know, the skill and talent crowd, where it's like in the poker world, you got people that do what's called exploitative poker, which is, hey, I'm going to look at you and tell what kind of, you know, if you got a hand or I'm going to take advantage of something that I see in your game or if I pick up on a way, a tail that you have. A tail is something that gives away if you have a good hand or a bad hand. Um, and then the other way is, is called Game Theory Optimal, is GTO, where people are studying charts and just like play their hand based on how the charts tell them they're supposed to play it. You know, so it's, it's just crazy. It's, it, if you started to dive into it, you'd realize it goes into it that you can't even think about that I never even thought about. It's just, it's wild. But I will say this, that you know, just the, the, it speaks for itself. Like I just started playing, but I do have more natural, like people reading abilities. I do have a natural ability to, you know, understand situations. I have a very logical brain. So that helps. It. <laughs> Don't give me those looks. The, so whenever you have a logical brain, it allows you to like break down situations like, Hey, does it make sense that he bet this now? Or is he trying to bluff me? Cause that's a big thing in poker is like getting bluffs through, or calling people when they do try to bluff you is what's going to help you take your game to the next level. Uh, so, so, so realistically, I want your honest opinion. When we play for Fantasy Football Weekend and we play with all of us, what do you say you think your odds are of winning? So are we going to be playing a tournament style or are we going to play like a cash game? Everybody at the same table, no cash game. Last, Probably the final two will get money. Okay, so everybody buys in. So, so a tournament is like everybody buys in for a certain amount. Certain Correct. people get paid out. Cash game is, you know, yeah, just like we have money out. You can cash yeah. out whenever. No cash game. Well, you know, because like even whenever I go home and play, um, I think I have a good chance. Because, you know, the other part is, you know, people do got to – you do have to get lucky. You do have to run good in tournaments. Um, I think I have a better chance than uh, most people. I would say that, you know, just based on – I don't know how, how much other poker everybody else plays, but, you know, if, if nobody else has played any tournaments, um, I would put my odds better than anybody else for sure. I can tell you none of us have ever played in a tournament other than, like, at home stuff. Right. 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 <clears throat> well, well, then, yeah, I mean, I, I think – but like I said, tournaments are tricky because even the professionals, um, in one of the books I read, you know, there's like a 30% cash rate in tournaments. Which is, you know, it's crazy because you do just have to run good. But, you know, like those smaller home game tournaments, um, you know, I, I, I definitely think I'll be able to last to the top three or four out of, you know, eight or nine people more times than anyone else. But mm-hmm. as I get to that win, eventually you just have to start getting hands too, combined with, you know, your skills. So that's, that is yeah. part of it. Okay. So we'll see. I'm interested. In when, and, and, uh, D, you coming? Are you joining this year? What's happening? What's you gonna at least come down and hang out, even if you're not in the league? Are you talking about in poker? 
No, well, yeah, you should come and hang out and play poker, but just come down for a fancy football weekend. Yeah, you know, I might do that. I actually, I've, I've dabbled in a little poker myself. I like to think, I like to think that I'm pretty good. I got a couple more poker questions, man, and then we're gonna, we're gonna move on. So, so it's 787 people. How many days? Because that sounds like, and if you're paying 10 hour days, this sounds like a week production. Like this sounds like. And you only right. get, you know, X amount of breaks. This sounds like worse than training camp, man. Yeah, and, and how long does it go to? Like, how many, How is it just the weekend or does it go to the yeah. next weekend? All that. Well, it just depends. So this particular tournament, it started on Friday. There was day one, A. Uh, Saturday was day two, B, or day one, B. And then so day one, you played 10 levels. And so that's each level is an hour. And that's like where the blinds are at a certain level. Uh and between every two hours, we get a break. So for the first two breaks, we get 15 minutes. And at the third break, we get a dinner break for an hour. Um, so, yeah. Feed it's you a, guys? Do they feed you guys or no? No. You have, I mean, you have to buy your own food, bring your own food, whatever. Um, okay. But, you know, we, they have they have obviously refreshments and because uh, it's at a local casino. Um, and all right. So when you, when you get up from the table, what do they do with your chips? Do you have to take all your chips No, you with leave you? them there and uh, the dealers stay at the table with the chips. While okay. we're on break. Okay. But yeah, and then so for this one particular is two day ones and then a third day, uh, or the a day two, and then that's where the money bubble happens. So what the money bubble is is you know, we started day two with two hundred and fifty people, top ninety nine get paid. So obviously hundred and sixty people have to come off the board before you get the money. So the bubble is, you know, where that money pops. And okay, so once so- the bubble once the bubble breaks because it, it always slows down around like when there's four or five people left before the money, it always slows down. But then as soon as that money bubble bust, people start playing a little bit, you know, more free. Cause like, Hey, you don't want to spend all this time playing poker and then not get a return on your money. You know what I'm saying? So right. you play a little bit tighter once you get to that money. But once that thing busts, uh, you know, everybody goes back to kind of playing a little bit free and loose and like, not necessarily loose, but just like more willing to put their money in uh, with hands that they wouldn't. While they're not on the money bubble. Okay, so money bubble. I'm number ninety nine. What yep. am I getting paid? It's a thirty eight hundred dollar buy in. What is yep, my so return if I come in at ninety dead last, but I'm the first money bubble? Uh, for this tournament in particular, it was six thousand seven hundred dollars. So. Oh wow, that's a two thousand. So you basically return. you basically double almost double your money. Almost. You do not almost double your money. It's you a thirty eight hundred dollar buy You're a little bit it's short 30, of doubling your money. You almost double. Okay. You're a little bit short of doubling your money, but I think once you make it up like ten spots, you get to where you double your money. And then the, the big thing is it's top heavy. So like top ten, so first place gets five hundred thousand. So that's obviously what you're shooting for in tournaments is like the big boy, not just like the min cash because the min cash, yeah, you're either doubling or close to doubling your money. Um, but when you play tournaments, you play for that, you know, the top, I think final table, everybody makes over a hundred K uh, or so or right in there. So that's, that's really what you're trying to go for. And that's how you got to play. Um, but it's intense, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, playing smart play. This is a big thing. If you don't have patience, you, I don't think you're going to be a good poker player because that is a huge part of, playing tournaments is being patient, picking your spots, and then also knowing when to take advantage of certain, you know, people and places. And so, oh, go ahead. Go ahead oh, I got, I got two more questions 
and then I'm gonna let Gary have it. Uh, and I, I think I'll ask these two questions at the same time. One, if you make it to the final table, what what is the date and time for that final table? And two, if you win this poker tournament, does it automatically put you in other tournaments for free or put your name out there? Or do you still have to still market yourself and enter these tournaments and still pay a buy-in? Like, what I, I win this tournament. I get 500 k do I also get an invitation to another tournament, or am I just still just your average Joe that just got lucky and won this tournament? Well, my understanding is if you – so say you win, and maybe you're like someone like me that's never played in a big term like this. My understanding is there are – you know, obviously people in the poker world are going to notice, and you have the ability to pick up like sponsorships where people will cover your buy-ins, and there's also like this thing that's called a uh, passport where – it allows you to go and enter these um, tournaments uh, where it covers your buy-in. So maybe the WPT gives you a passport so that you can go around and play in other events. It's just there's a definitely opportunity for that. Whenever you win something as big as this, um, it would open up those doors where you wouldn't have to. Um, but, you know, it, and it just depends. Like this one is a smaller one. There's the main event that's in Vegas where it's a $10,000 buy-in. That one cr- uh, stretches across like six or seven days. And then um, I think even more than that, honestly. But then, you know, first place goes home with like 18 million. <laughs> so on that one, on the, the big one, I was, that's the one that's on TV quite a bit and stuff right. like that. How many people get paid out from that one? So that I'm not exactly sure with that structure. I'd have to look at it. Um, you know, it's usually, it's usually like the top 12 to 15% of however many people entered the tournament get paid. Uh, so obviously the bigger the tournament, the more people, the more people that will get paid, uh, the more money that's on the line. Um, so for this one in particular, D, I know you asked about, you know, went with the final table. So this one, actually, they do they did a fun thing this year where the final table is going to get broadcast live from Vegas uh, in like a week or something. Uh, you know, so if you make the final table, I think they fly you out and it's going to be broadcast from like an esports studio. <laughs> so, oh sweet yeah sweet. So, that could be okay. pretty cool so so before the final table uh so this is this will go on for another week or two like to getting to the final table how long no, is no, that no. process no so so to get to the final table you play you play a day one you advance to day two you play through a day two and depending on how many people are left so like for this one i think they're saying there's going to be a day three so everybody will have to come back on uh you know monday and come and play out and if they play from that point until they get to the final table and then okay. once the, they get to the final table amount it pauses and they will re-pick up the final table on you know whatever day the final table filming is makes sense so, makes yeah. sense well but uh, i look forward to taking y'all's money uh whenever we come down there gary that's what I like to hear. I like to hear that that confidence, overconfidence. Uh, so, do you see yourself doing this quite a bit, getting these events and stuff like? That? I know you've done a couple local ones. Uh, do you see yourself doing more of these? Yeah, for sure. That's my goal. Uh, you know, like I said, I've cashed in a couple of the local ones. I've won a couple of the local ones. Uh, my my goal is to eventually. It's called your poker bankroll, where you just you know build up money. And my goal eventually is to play in the $10,000 main event in Vegas, right? Um, right? Because that's like the 
you know, the creme de la creme, that's the top of the top. That's like playing in the Super Bowl uh, for poker. Uh, but obviously, you know, I don't, you know, got to get my funds to a level where, you know, because $10,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> so yeah, I got to get my funds to where, you know, I'm like, Hey, this is gonna be this is gonna be okay if I play this. It's not gonna hurt my family to play. Into well, this well here's the thing though: you you got to go more than ten thousand dollars because you got to pay for the trip out there as well. So right, exactly, exactly. You got ten thousand dollars, right? And every day you stay out there, it's just more and more debt you incurring while you out there. So it's a gift and a curse. You moving on, and and how long does it take you to touch the money? I'm just curious, because you know if I win this tournament. Today, when am I cashed out? Is it going to take a few weeks? Oh, same day. Oh, okay. Right. Well, he's at yeah, a casino, so, so I can see them just going ahead and doing it and paying yeah. out there. I've never obviously won the big money, but in all the smaller ones, they pay you cash same day. I, you know, they probably, I don't know if the bigger ones, they give you a check um, or how they do that, but I know yeah. for, at least for the smaller payouts, it's cash same day. Yeah. So, so just to let you listeners know, uh, time is still in it. Um, we uh, we're not. We'll we'll let you know next week no, where he finished. <laughs> Maybe we'll let you know next week. He may be right. MIA next week. We don't know. Oh, we don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's let's true. Just, let's just say you know time is buying time. <laughs> right. That's all you can do. Buy your time until, you know, pick your spots. That's what you got to do. But yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun ride and it's, it's definitely an enjoyable game. And I've enjoyed the process of learning, uh, you know, how to play. And I, you know, I think you guys, if you, if you, if you're ever bored and looking for a hobby, you should look into, look into checking it out. It's, it's pretty fun. And the thing about poker is everywhere you go, there are poker rooms <laughs> in the area. It's crazy. I, I never realized how many places had big poker rooms in the area. Like apparently, there's a huge one in Jacksonville, Gary, um, that I've heard people talk about. Yep, there are, there is. Yeah. I haven't been to it, but there is one. And so, it's just uh, it's it, here's the other thing I'll tell you, dude. This is one of the crazy things. So obviously, you know, I, I picked this uh, last year that I want to learn how to play and become better at it. Well. Texas poker is apparently like the wild, wild west of poker because apparently people play so much crazier in Texas. Obviously, it's called Texas Hold'em, so I'm guessing that's probably where that comes from. Um, so whenever I go to these other states and play, uh, I've already been warned, like, be you know, be aware, like, they're not going to be playing as big <laughs> as you, you know, because, like, when you play a one-two game, that's supposed to be a really cheap, you know, like, fun recreational game well, in Texas you don't get to see a flop for less than $10, $15 a lot of times. So it's pretty crazy. I don't even so where, where is the current tournament at? Current tournament is at Choctaw in Durant, Oklahoma. So it's like right on the border of Texas and Oklahoma because we don't have casinos in Texas. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. All right. Well, I, I know you're still playing and, you know, uh, we can't keep you this entire yeah. time. You know, the Checking in on my dinner break. So I'm going to run. But yeah. y'all, y'all enjoy it, and I apologize that I can't be here to keep these. No, 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 no. Don't apologize. Go out there and do what you I, do. I, I, I get a chance to fire your ass up for firing me up last week. That's so right. You go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It ain't no fun oh. when the rabbit got the gun. You enjoy hey, yourself. Quick, speaking of rabbit, before I leave, I'm gonna go ahead and say this. 
you ain't you had Jessica Rabbit second on your list, and that's a travesty, and we need to just fire you from doing it in tears. No, we say that for next week when we, okay. when we can actually discuss. Okay, I'm gonna give a little teaser. A little teaser. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll 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 talk about it next week. You take it easy, John. All right, John. All right. So so Gary, what did you do this weekend? Uh, you know, uh, a whole bunch of um, nothing. Uh, I got my uh, I got my flight for next week, uh, making a visit down to Charlotte to do another little uh, little fun thing. Who knows? Y'all will find out in the future. Right now, we're just we'll we'll we're not gonna let you know yet. But stuff we're working on. Uh, other than that, that didn't do too much. Oh uh, yeah. So now I could talk about my week because I wasn't I wasn't here uh, as you guys know for the podcast. Yeah, where well, we just just dissected and destroyed his yes, tears yes. list. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna touch on that too, along with a lot of other stuff. Uh, but I wanted to kick off why I wasn't here. I wasn't here because I did a bike to DC. Uh, Gary was really close. It's four days, 500 miles, and it's for all the fallen uh, police officers that are died in the line of duty. Um, we biked from Charlotte, North Carolina, downtown to Washington, D.C. It was absolutely phenomenal, Gary. Uh, it was an awesome bike ride. The first day was 103 miles. The second day was, I think, 113 or 118, and then it was 132, and then 138. Uh, uh, had so much fun, dude. Uh, we started out with like a hundred plus, and then uh, which was the first day, or it may have been two hundred uh, plus uh, on the first day, and then that dwindled down to I think maybe between forty and sixty that did the entire thing, uh, and it's usually that way. But it was absolutely fun, dude. Uh, just a bunch of like-minded people with you know FBI agents and. You know, police officers riding for a great cause. So, real quick, quick did B Fun finish it? He did. Okay. He, he absolutely did. What? 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 I'm, I'm just making Are sure. You I, for want, B? I just want to make sure. Are you coming for B? Hey, man? It's all, yeah. for I already, well, already knew Chris finished. Yeah. So I yeah. didn't know about B Fun. I wanted to make sure B Fun finished it. Yeah, it, it was amazing, man. And 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 during the ride, it was it was interesting because. I got asked a lot of questions that I didn't know that I was going to be asked. Uh, obviously, being an ex-NFL player or a football player and the stance that Colin Kaepernick took, I got a lot of questions concerning just you know, not from officers, but just people like passer buyers, you know, like, hey, man, you know, didn't you see? And I'm like, yeah, he was like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing riding? And I'm like, dude. Like, look, man, I, I I have nothing against uh, blue lives. I have nothing against black lives. I, I I I have nothing against that at all. I like we're all human at the end of the day, and I'm gonna support the causes that I support, and I support them all. Uh, and you know, here lately, recently. I, I don't know if it's always been this way, but here recently, like, you got to pick a side. You can't be both. You can't be all. You can't represent all. And I was just like, dude, you absolutely 100% can because at the end of the day, we are all human, and we should respect that fact, regardless of what job title a person has. Correct. I would agree with that. 
yeah. I think too much gets made on you have to pick a side, whether it be political or religious or just everyday occurrence. Do you like Coke or Pepsi? Everybody wants you to pick a side and you have to pick it and stick with it and you can't go the other way. It doesn't make sense. You're allowed to be in the middle. You're allowed to think for yourself. You're allowed to have your own opinions and not be told what to believe and have to believe a certain way. You can believe both are right and they're both wrong in certain ways too. And whatever it is, whatever topic it is. So I completely agree with you on that. Uh, back to your bike. Was there ever a day or I guess a time where you were like, man, I'm in over my head. My legs are killing me right now. Oh, every day. Every day <laughs> I felt like that, man. It, it was funny because the first two days it was an 8 a.m. lunchtime. So getting up in the morning and getting ready, knowing that you're going to be on this bike for 10 plus hours every day. Oh, man, it's. Your backside's raw by day three or four, depending on, you know, if you use chamois butter or not. Um, but, I mean, you get it done because there's there's people here that can't ride, and you're riding for that reason. So it was it was interesting because it was my first time ever doing it, and everybody shocked that I was doing it and that I was going the entire way. It was like, bro, it was like, good for you. I've never understood that like right this is not talking about uh uh the bike to dc anymore this is this is talking about projecting uh i've done it you've done it before gary we all have when someone when you say you're doing something and it sounds challenging people say oh that's good for you like what does that mean gary because i'm pretty sure you've said that to me a few times as well what the hell does that mean well, I've definitely said it to my buddy Chris when he said he wasn't going to drink for a year. For first, I was like, "You can't do it." I called him out saying, "You can't do it. You can't go a full year without drinking alcohol." Okay. And then he he got to about six months. I was like, That's good for you. Now you got to keep it up. And mine was just he, he ain't going to do it. Like I just had no faith uh, he was going to do it. There's it a wasn't like a yeah. You don't it's, believe it's more people you don't that you're surprised him. that they're going to finish it. Okay. All right. Now it makes sense. Now it now it makes sense. Okay. So it's not a backhanded compliment. It's just like a true state of shock. Got yes, because a lot of times you don't think people are going to – when you say that, you don't think they're actually going to stick to it or go through with it. That's why you hear all the time when, when people are like, oh, my New Year's resolution was going to the gym. You get to month three and somebody's still going. Well, that's good for you. I'm glad you're keeping it up. It's because you didn't think they were going to continue with it. You thought yeah, they were going to give it up after a year, a month, with going to the gym, whatever – People might not have thought you were going to do the whole time because you've never done it before. You're not right. used to doing that type of thing. So they thought maybe you'd only go a day or two, and then that'd be all you would do. And you even mentioned to me, hey, I, I, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to finish the whole thing. But yeah. there might be a time where I might be like, oh, I can't do it anymore, and I might be riding in that car. But I was like, but you had a goal. You set out, I'm going to yeah. do this whole thing, and you weren't going to say – you weren't going to be turned down. And you completed the whole thing, which is, again, good for you. way to wrap that up gary way to wrap that up man it was absolutely fascinating though man we had a we had a police escort for uh most of the way so it was one of the safer rides we had sag we had everything that we we needed and we literally rode our bikes from hotel to hotel and as i'm riding my bike to hotel to hotel one thing i did not notice until you know close to the last couple of days when I knew I had to drive home was the gas prices. And I was like, jeez, I thought they were supposed to be coming down. 
But they're going no, up. They've, they've only got up higher and higher. So every time everybody would ask me, like, man, why would you bike from Charlotte to D.C.? And I said, have you seen gas prices? That was the that was the 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 funny joke because when you the first and second day I didn't even look at gas prices because I'm like I'm on my bike I you know I'm looking at other things because gas wasn't a priority then day three or four I'm like man I got to drive home when I get home let me see what I look forward to when I look at the gas prices and I'm like geez man like what happened so so what happened Gary because I hadn't been able to watch the news I hadn't been able to 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 focus in on what what's been going on because I've been on the bike. I'm something uh, had you, to have happened. You can't but, base anything off the news because everything they the reasons they give for gas going up doesn't make sense. Uh I don't think anybody has a reason why gas is so high because I know a barrel of oil is only 100. What last my check was like $108, which is still high, but it's not high enough to make it where gas is 450, 460 here in Florida when Obviously, California and New York is probably over five and a half, six dollars. So I don't know what it is in North Carolina. Obviously, I don't know what's causing it. I don't foresee it going down right now. I don't know when it's going to go down. I know it's on everybody's mind because it sucks. That's another reason why I don't leave the house. Okay, so I'm glad you said that. And I gotta, I gotta say this because it pisses me off, Gary. I, I, I come to Florida a lot. There's this one gas station, bro. That gas at this gas station is $7.99. Always. Doesn't matter what other gas prices are. Gas prices around the city can be three, four, five dollars. It does not matter. At this particular gas station, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's always $6.99 or $7.99. It's always extremely high. Can you please give me the definition of price gouging? Because I don't think I understand what price gouging is. I thought price gouging was when you charge people an extreme extreme amount of money for a product that's not that expensive. Like, you know, like so, reselling gas. I believe so that I, is I, the... I, I don't understand this. So I believe that's the actual... I think that is the definition of it, but I don't think it encompasses things like gas or grocery and stuff like that unless... It's a national emergency. Like if a hurricane hit and you couldn't get anything and you started price gouging for that, then I think that's when it becomes an issue. I don't think anybody, they don't do anything about it right now because there's no national emergency. There's no like super like a natural disaster or anything that's causing it. It's just because they're raising the prices and nobody's doing anything about it. I know we keep saying Ukraine is the Ukraine situation. That doesn't make as much sense. If we were in... England or over in Europe, I, that would make more sense because I know they rely on more natural gas and stuff from Russia than we do. We don't rely on much of that from Russia. We rely very little. We have a lot more from the Middle East is where we get a lot of our oil stuff from. So I don't think that's really been impacted, but I could be wrong. I haven't honestly done enough research into it. I just know blaming that whole aspect on the reason raises the prices. I don't know if that makes sense. It might with food. Because I know Ukraine's a high supplier, I believe, in wheat or some kind of grain. Uh, but who knows? Hopefully it all goes down because that's the – right now everybody's hurting. Everybody everywhere in, in the United States, obviously in other places in Europe, get hurt, hit hard by gas because they're more impacted because it's right there. It's right in their home, in their backyard basically. But 
uh, I want to get back on the topic of the bike real quick. I know uh, we got a little off topic with there, but you said you started at eight o'clock. Yes. Uh, to ride. When did you finish? Oh, Gary, <laughs> let me tell you something. So the first two days, the one Oh three and the one eighteen, we started at 8 AM. Uh, the first day we started at 8 AM. I got off the bike at 7 15 PM. That is a long time on a bike. That is a long day. Yes, I know. Uh, the no, 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 no. I, I, I take that back. I'm so sorry. Six thirty. The next day, the one eighteen, I got off the bike at seven forty-five. Um, um, and then day three and four, we started at seven a.m. And day four, I'm pretty sure we got off the bike at seven thirty. Um, and seven thirty as well on the. Uh, day three so when you're riding that long is there ever a chance a, a chance when you'll stop eat lunch or how oh, do yeah, you yeah, eat yeah, drink yeah, yeah. okay so so that's why it takes so long so if we were to do uh a hundred plus miles without without sag and we was rolling we'll get done with it a lot faster but because of the escorts and there were like 14 or 15 stops we were averaging you know six and a half seven hours bike time but then there was four or five hours of break time in there. I got so, you. yeah, so that's that encompasses the entire day. And you have to stop at all the stops because they was volunteers. And it was absolutely amazing, bro. I'm going to tell you what was amazing about it. The churches were like uh, actual churches, community churches were um, the stops. And at these community churches were, uh, I don't know if it was the deacons or the pastors or uh, some of the members of that particular church would cook for you. Oh man, you talking about some good food coming up through there, Gary? It was on the snacks, man. Just the the pastries that was being cooked, the cookies. Oh, dude, it was phenomenal, man. I had a strawberry pound cake, dude. That was so good. I ate like three pieces. I was trying to find the cook. I was like, who cooked this? I don't <laughs> know who who whatever sister or brother whoever did this. You let them know that the Lord blessed them. Cause this is real. It was man, it was so good, and you try, you just tried to try everything because all the food was good, man. At every stop, and every stop had its niche food that somebody cooked that was good. So it was a, it was a phenomenal experience, man. And I plan on doing it again next year. In fact, some people was like, "Hey, man, you think we can uh, get gear to do this?" And I said, "No chance. Don't even bring it to." Hey, at least attention. you're honest. Don't don't even try it. I was I was like, bro. And no, there's no way. And they was like, I bet I can get him. I said, bro, I bet you can get turned down, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I all sit in a sad car. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I I know that that's not your thing, and it won't ever be your thing. Fitness well, it, and exercise. It's definitely not my thing. No, it is not. It's your thing. You can have it. Uh, now, when you said you were going to do this again, is there any other events similar to this thing that you've heard about that you would like to try to do? Or that you might look to do in the future? No, nah, it, it well, not from a century. I I don't like doing hundred miles on the bike gear because mm-hmm. it just takes a strict too much time. I'm more of a metric century, which is about sixty two, sixty three miles, uh, and after that, I'm I'm done. But I can give you that any kind of way you wanted at whatever MPH you wanted to a certain degree, and be fine. It's just that when you start hitting them centuries. That's when things start getting difficult and it takes a lot of time. But it's still fun, though, and 
and I'm going to continue to do it. Man, I love cycling, dude, because it's it's challenging, and you can never tell uh, from day to day who's going to be the best cyclist that day. So are you? do you have any plans to try and recruit anybody to join you on this next year? Uh, I do. I have a few, man, but I'm not going to tell you, Gary. Because well, obviously it's not to me. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I you, can't tell you because they listen to our podcast. No, that's fine. And I'm not. I'm, I'm not trying to. to I'm literally names. trying to get all the predators to do it next year, uh, because I think it'll be a great event. Well, I know it's a great event and for a great cause, but it's a great ride, man. Everybody was all. Everyone, everybody out there is always concerned with safety, safety, safety. This is the safest ride you can be on because it's FBI, police officers and things of that nature on this ride and not only on this ride but volunteering and making sure that you're okay throughout these escorts so i am going to call one person out uh he does comment on this podcast quite a bit about topics he knows you well he rides with you why didn't tom do this oh and will tom do this with you in the future no tom will not do it he does not like riding those long distances uh, and he doesn't like all the climbing and elevation. Tom has a threshold. The, everything about the bike, the DC, hits his threshold tenfold over and over and over again. So, no, I don't think he'll ever do this. So, Tom is definitely not a true biker then? No, nah, he, 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 I, I'm going to let you ask him that. I'm, I, we'll we'll, I we'll let him did. defend Tom, himself. Feel free yeah. to let right back to us. Let us know. Respond to us. Let us know why you won't do this. D's challenge you. To, I'm going to put out the I'm challenging you to do this with D next year. Not You have a whole year to be ready for it. I'm challenging you to do this with D next year if you can do the whole thing. I know B-Fun's done it now, so now can we get Tom to do it? Okay. Well, speaking of you know completely you know defending themselves, this will be a great transition for this. I'm going to defend myself from well, last I, be, week. Before we do, I, I got one thing because it was a it was a topic that came up, or not a topic. It is a new, current event that happened that is a senseless tragedy. I want to talk about it real quick because I don't understand the concept. So I know everybody's heard about the Buffalo shooting, the yes. uh, shooter in Buffalo. He said right had a manifesto. He said he was white supremacist, and he went into a predominantly black neighborhood, shot up a a um, grocery store, killed a bunch of people, and he was arrested. So I have a problem with the fact that he pled not guilty. I don't know how that can even be questionable and how he was still alive. Uh, so I don't understand if, if you get a call to this situation and you have reports of shooting, you get there, you see the stuff, how is this person alive and taken alive? I understand the judicial system. You should try to find out what it is. But when somebody does this type of thing, I don't think they deserve to live. I don't even think like he should be in court. I don't think we should be wasting money on this type of person. I think this person should just be lined up and be done, put out of their life because they don't deserve it. They just did a senseless tragedy. They took 10 people's lives, possibly more, and – you're going to tell me they can sit in jail and then not nothing happened besides just sit in jail. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Well, I, that, I, that's why I'm up for the death penalty. And I don't, I think this person, people like this should just be put out of their misery. But that's why we have a justice system, Gary. It, we have to let that justice system work. Sometimes that justice system work doesn't, it doesn't work all the time. And you know, it's not way, always in your favor, depending on certain situations, certain things. 
And if you're talking to the right people, uh, certain colors may play a point in, you know, how you are judged. But with that being said, we have a justice system. He's going to have to go through the justice system. And depending on how he goes through that justice system, his family is going to be affected big time. Um, and that's the biggest thing. When you said nothing's going to happen, well, he just lost his freedom. Um, I, I Obviously, don't he doesn't think, care about that, though. Right. I, I, and with that being said, I don't think whether you know, you're a mass murderer or not or you're unarmed, I don't think you should lose your life at the hands of a police officer because they're there to withhold and uphold justice. And, you know, sometimes that justice come in the form of fatalities, but this one didn't come in that form. You know, different, many things happen for different reasons. This one right here, it, 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 it worked out for him where he didn't, he wasn't on the other end of a fatality or he didn't lose his life. Well, well, but he, in other he, situations, you know, they have. He surrendered too. Like he surrendered. So that's why they didn't, I don't think they should, they didn't take action like that because he did surrender. He took the coward's way. If he's going to do this type of thing, why are you surrendering? If you're really, if really mean this, why, why are you going to surrender if you're trying to do this senseless thing? But my question to you, D, is how can somebody do this and then plead not guilty? You know, I, I've it was the same way with the guy that shot up the movie theater. He pled not guilty, and we was like, bro, like literally there's 900 cameras with you pulling off this heinous act. But here's the thing, though, Gary. It's not what you know. It's what you can prove. Yeah. Okay? And depending on what they go into this with, like, are we going to use mental health, it depends on the angle they use and wish to try to get him off. I've seen people get off on crazier things before, uh, but I don't think that this is going to be one of those. I it, blo- it blows my mind. This is, this is what gets me. The manifestos are what gets me. Like, if you do a manifesto, then I feel like you're telling us that you don't plan on making it through this on the other side. Correct. And that's why I say he took the coward's way by surrendering. If he really meant everything he said, then why'd he surrender? Like you, that's not, you're supposed well, to well, go out and play the glory. If that's what you're going to do. But I, I just don't understand the whole here, thing. Here's, here's, here's the thing though, Gary. Now, now think about this. And I really want you to think about it because this kind of falls into that category. He's a coward in any way he goes. Correct. Whenever 1, you, 1000%. whatever, and this is what I mean by he's a coward any way he goes, because when you pull off something like this, when you do something like this, mass murder or you take a multiple people lives or if you take a life, period, uh, whether you take your own life, you're a coward, or whether you surrender, you're a coward, whether you have a shootout, you're a coward. So let's make sure that we let everybody know that you're a coward in any instance. I He's agree. just Right, right. You just I, I So I get what you're saying. When you're saying he took the, hey, you know, I give up. But this is be one of the few times where we get an opportunity to hear his side. Yo, what were you thinking, bro? Why did you do these things the way that you did these things? And why do you feel like you were right in doing these things? Well, the problem with that, though, is going to be his lawyers are going to recommend him plead insanity. And he's going to go with the insanity plea. And he could end up in a mental hospital for the rest of his life. Which that should not be an excuse for do do things like this. Like right. I just don't agree with that to be a reasoning for somebody not have to serve in jail or be have a chance to be on death row or whatever because you plead insanity. But if you do this type of thing, you write a manifesto, you live stream it. 
there's more than just mental something mental but you're you're just a you're a terrible person right. has, i don't know if you could right. you, you're using the mental aspect as a as a crutch to try to get you out of a, a worse a, i guess a more harsh punishment that you would already receive so with that being said gary my question to you is this uh, we know that this kid has he's he's pulled off one of uh, a very heinous crime. He's did all this. Uh, question is this, and this is a two parter because I want you to talk about both. One, should his parents be the blame? Should they take any? Uh, should they should take any heat for this, regardless of whether they was in the kid's life or not in the kid's life, or does that matter, or is this solely on this kid because he was of age? and like grown i would say because he's of age i would say you can't put it on the parents i would say now if they if it comes back that he was like abused or something like that and it drove him to doing this then yes you 100 percent can hold the parents uh, partly responsible you still can't hold him responsible for the whole thing because he still chose to do it but i think you i don't think initially right now without knowing all the the facts of everything, I would say no, because he's of age. Now, if he's underage, I would say yes, because you gave him ability to have, you have, you gave him the chance to get a hold of a weapon, not having it locked up. If he's of age, he can buy a weapon. So it doesn't, that's not as big of a deal. He can still get it. And I don't believe it was in a, like a, uh, the, um, the AR or anything like that. I believe it was like a high power rifle or something he was using. So he was using something that could be used for hunting in general. I don't know for sure. I don't. I didn't read all that info, so I could be wrong on that. Right, right. I, I didn't. I hadn't quite, you know, got all the details as well. But I've just been, you know, it's like one after the other because you know there was a another mass shooting at the church uh, in California yesterday as well on Sunday. So you know, our thoughts and well wishes go out to those families that are affected by that shooting as well. Uh, it's it's crazy because. You know, the pandemic is still going on right now. And when they shut everything down, we didn't have this issue. It was something else. So it's 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 always interesting to me to to see how we find ways to to do crazy stuff or dumb stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Uh again, oh for the death penalty for people that do this type I, of things. I, I, I but see that. uh but no, no, I just wanted to talk about that real quick because I wanted to get your opinion because I still don't understand how somebody can plead not guilty when it's everything that went on with what happened, uh, how you can plead not guilty. But now I want you to try to defend yourself because um, we did tear into you last week. You, you, you did. We you, tore you. into you pretty good. And don't just wait till next week. We're going to have two, two different interiors to tear into you about next week. Okay, so I, I, I don't understand why you I, – I did like this, and I and I even called you and told you this. Like, I like how you guys bro, I broke down the Joker and how you felt about the Joker and why the Joker was so low, and that was the reason why he was so low. I mean, you know, it's a legendary character, but he never really pulled off any of the murders or the, 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 the killings or whatever you want to call them. He always orchestrated them. So it was uh he was more of a crime boss. He was like a William Fisk, if you will, but from uh the loonier side. Um, I don't see why or how you thought that Freddy Krueger wouldn't be number one. I I mean I know you know me like very well. I mean y'all knew that I was gonna go Freddy, and the slasher movies. 
I, I understand that, you know, I, I said that I was going all over with, you know, I had Scar in there. I had uh, Rose from, from Get Out. But what people don't understand, the 80s and the 90s produced the greatest slasher movies of all time, the greatest villains of all time. And they're still, <clears throat> to this day, remaking those same villains. Uh, Chucky, you know, Chucky may not be Chucky. Chucky now is, uh, you know, um, Chucky, you... the Chucky recently films and were terrible. Now yes. I have not seen the show yet, uh, but I do plan to watch it. I've heard mixed reviews. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's interesting. And that's the reason why I chose, uh, predator being number two, because even to this day, no one knows why the predator came down and hunted us the way that he was hunting us because he never ate us. It was just for sport. It was literally for sport. And it wasn't like he was killing people to go back to his home planet to be a better hunter or to be a like, oh, hey, guess what? We're going on a hunting trip. Let's go to Earth. We're going to kill like six humans. We're going to bring them back and we're going to put them on our wall. It wasn't one of those things. They were just literally coming to hunt us and stayed here to hunt us for sport. So so when you were thinking about this list, did you ever take into account like the impact it had on people in general or were cuz like like I've mentioned jaws, jaws b- basically made everybody terrified of the ocean. Yeah, no. But it I, wasn't I, on the list. No, I I had I took it an impact on me. Okay. Like the the I I don't get in the ocean gear. So yeah. that didn't bother me. Like Jaws and him eating people ass up didn't bother me because yeah. he ain't going to get me. Yeah. I'm not going in there. But people don't understand about the ocean is, is you can be Michael Phelps. Just, just listen to him. You can be Michael Phelps, fastest land swimmer of all damn time. And when he get in the water, he immediately the slowest in the water. So if right. that's the case, it's over with for you. It's over with you. It, you, you don't have a chance. Not at all. And and that's why I stay my ass out there in water. That's why there's a such thing as a pool. You can get in the pool and get the same effect. So <clears throat> another one but that with, I... With that being said, ahead. Jaws didn't affect me that way, but everything else did because growing up, I watched those type of movies. And the one that really was like on the honorable mention was Scream. That's because when Scream... Right. When Scream... When Scream first came out, just that concept and that concept alone blew people away. Uh, And there's another one that was really high on my list that nobody ever would think about putting on there, but Final Destination. Not the villain in that was just the fact that death, yes, yes. That movie right there, when it came out, impacted, there's not another movie out there that impacted uh, us the way that Final Destination impacted us because every one of us has heard a story of someone losing their life in the way in which people were losing their life in that movie. Well, I think it's I think that movie still impacts people to this day. They don't want to drive behind trucks that have the uh, logs. The log they're carrying them. logs right. because they're terrified. Some right. people still get terrified to get on a plane because of that. Uh, but so that'd be my question. So how did death not make it? Did it because it didn't really affect you or how did that one not make the list? Okay. So let, let me tell you something that people don't understand. Why? First of all, I'll tell you why Freddie was number one on the list. 
everybody has to sleep. Everybody has to sleep. And because you have to sleep, he has the ability to have access to you whenever he wants to when you're sleeping. You can outrun Jason. You can outrun Michael Myers from a physical standpoint. You cannot outrun Freddy because he's in your dreams. When you close your eyes and you go to sleep, he's in your dreams. The reason why Final Destination didn't make it and death because death is in all of them. In every last one of these, it's how it comes about. Where in Final Destination, death was coming about by normal things that happen in life. Whereas in these slasher movies and in these killers movies, like this is like this is resistance to its core from a standpoint of resisting life and trying to literally take the life out of you with Michael Myers, Jason, Chucky, Freddy Krueger. Like they literally was it was more of a sneak attack, like it was a surprise versus uh, uh, Final Destination being an accident, those accidental deaths. Yeah, so I would say I, I was going to mention Scream because uh, I think Scream was one that I think impacts people as still because that's something that could actually happen. I think movies that things that could actually happen like uh, – But I don't think um, they can actually happen though. A, a killer just being at a school or something. So, so I, I'm a firm believer of this, Gary. Uh, you can have a killer there, but the 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 amount of people that that killer can do and keep continue to get away with it is slim to none because of all the technology, cameras, and things like that. So when you say these things, like yeah, it could happen, but it's few and far between because you know how perfect you have to be every time. In order for you to get away with it, mm-hmm. especially, no, I agree. especially with the frequency at which he was killing people in the screen movie, like you would if if he was trying to get away with it or she was trying to get away with it, because I don't want to give away who it was in the movie if you hadn't watched the Scream series, but um, uh, to get away with it with the frequency in which they were doing it, they wouldn't. Have, it was no way, Gary. They'd have to do one every three or four or five years. No, I got you. But we've had serial killers do that. Yeah, but that's in the 70s and 80s, Gary. <laughs> I'm talking, we're talking about right now in 2021, yeah. 2022. Like, if you pull off more than five or six, you got to get them all at the same time. You can't get them over years because technology is too quick and too advanced, and they get you right now. DNA is a beast right now. So, so I'm about to put you on the spot. Okay. Uh, you may hate me for it, but uh, we're going to really test your Freddy love. What's the Freddie poem or the song they sing? One, two, Freddie's coming for you. Three, four, you better lock your door. Five, six, Freddie's crucifix. Better grab a crucifix. Oh, better grab a crucifix. Uh, seven, eight, uh, you better stay up late. Nine, ten, Freddie's coming again. Never sleep again. <laughs> you get basically you get yeah. most of it. So. Yeah. All yeah, reason because yeah. I, I got a painting of that made, so it is something that is I do like that thing that thing from Freddie. Yeah. And, uh, and Freddie, Freddie was the first. That was he was the first serial killer man that had charisma. You know what I mean? Like he he was one of those that that like even though he was doing these heinous things. He made you like chuckle a little bit and make you think because he was quick witted. 
He was funny. He had he had humor. He had personality. He he had all those things, and he delivered every punchline. He he delivered. It was on point. Uh, yep. So there's no other there's no other character out there like him. So I am gonna give you a, a little sneak peek for everybody. Um, I have a video coming later down the road. Uh, it's a death battle, basically where I it's like a Mortal Kombat painting i got done of horror characters where they're facing each other so d i am giving you an open invitation to give me your winner to each one of the battles that are on my painting i will get you that and i want you to submit a video for that to follow once i release mine and then we also are going to get other people involved and i want to get other people's opinions on who they have and winning each match because this it they are tough on purpose they are very hard to determine who's going to win. Some people you may not even know, so I would recommend you have to go check out the movies because there are some. I'll give you an example of a movie, Hatchet. Victor Crowley is the name of the uh, the villain. You definitely need to watch it to see who, to understand the type of slasher okay. villain this guy is. But uh, there is about, I think there's 10 matchups. So uh, I will get you that, and I want to see your responses to that because that video is coming down the road. Okay. Also, too, with the teams that are left in the NBA uh, playoffs, uh, and then we got to go, Gary, uh, with the teams that are left in the NBA playoffs, my Memphis Grizzlies, uh, we got eliminated a couple days ago uh, in game six with Golden State. Dude, Golden State is still Golden State. Uh, I, I, I'm not going – when people's like, oh, y'all got beat, I don't feel bad, bro. I don't feel bad at all. We lost to Steph Curry. We lost to Klay Thompson. We lost to Poole. We lost to Draymond Green. We lost to a really good team. We lost to a, uh, in my opinion, they're going to have a collection of Hall of Famers when it's all said and done. So I love that you brought this up because this is also going to be a little shot at time for next week. Um, I don't want to hear anybody bring up, well, it could be premature, because I don't think they're getting past the Warriors. I definitely don't think the Mavericks are getting past the Warriors. I think it's going to be Warriors Heat in the finals. Uh, it's going to be a really good game for the Heat and, and the Celtics. Celtics played really good against the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, but if the if somehow the Mavericks make it to the finals, I don't ever want to hear anybody bring up the Cavs team that LeBron brought to the finals because the team the Mavs have with Luka is terrible. And Luka is single-handedly getting that team through these teams in the playoffs. He just beat the team that was in the finals last year, the Suns. And his second-best player is Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie is not anybody's top player on anybody's team. Like, yeah. He is that. Dor- Dorian Finney-Smith and Jalen Brown. These are good players in the NBA. But they are not elite players that people like a Chris Paul or like a Devin Booker or Giannis or even uh, – LeBron or AD, they're not those type of players. They're good role players in their team, but they're not like a superstar. And Lucas single-handedly helping that team win series after series, too, now. Now, I don't think he gets past the Warriors. The Warriors are just too good. I don't foresee that happening. But if he does, I don't want to hear anybody bring up anything because Lucas just did this. No, he's not. I I think the the Warriors lose. I think the Warriors win the championship. Yeah, they they just have too much fire, and then Poole came on his own. Up. Yeah, Poole came along. He he replaced like he's not Kevin Durant, but he's just enough 
to he's, get him over there, huh? He's their bench player. He's the guy who scores when the starters go on the bench, and you yeah. still can't stop him. <laughs> yeah, I, I also too. I have to, I have to throw this out here, man. I, I, I used to get Chris Paul a lot of shit, man. But since he's been in Phoenix, man, he's been balling. He's taking that team under his wing, like he's literally like the floor god when it comes to making sure that everybody's getting their touches, distributing the ball trying to make sure that he's careful with it and uh, trying to limit his turnovers. No, I agree. I just I feel like they definitely should have beat the Mavericks, but the fact that they didn't and that Luke was able to get the Mavericks to the next round it was impressive because I think everybody had the Suns versus either the, and the Bucks in the finals again. And, and except for the Warriors, though, I don't think anybody's beating the Warriors. I think the Warriors are going to win it all. Uh, I think they got too much firepower, as you said, and uh, it's going to be an interesting series to see because Luca's yeah. Luca's going to be covering Steph. Luca doesn't play D. Steph sometimes plays D. Steph ain't covering. They're going to probably put Clay on Luca. They ain't gonna, can't put Steph on him. Bro, I'm a, I'm gonna tell you something, and a, and a lot of people may disagree with me on this, uh, and it's going to probably start a whole battle, and we'll have this conversation come next week if we need to. If you're listening to this, I. I I can't make this up. A lot of people give Steph Curry the title of being the best shooter of all time, right? Like best three-point shooter of all time. And the reason why they say that is is because they don't want to get locked into a conversation about Steph Curry being the greatest player of all time because when you say that, then you're comparing them against Michael Jordan. You're comparing them against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You, you, you're comparing him to LeBron James. If you want to throw him in there, you're, you're, you're comparing him to the greats of the game. And he is truly that. I'm going to go on a limb and tell you and everybody out there listening that Steph Curry is unguardable. Okay? Unguardable because he can create his shot anywhere on the court. Half court, three point in the paint. It does not matter. He'll give it to you anywhere, anytime, any place. But because... He's not asked to lead his team like Luke is. And because he's not asked to go in and have to put 50, 60, 70 points up a game, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Because why? He has Clay Thompson over there with him. Poole's playing well. Draymond Green is there. And they got a collection of bench players that are playing really well. I heard during the telecast, Gary, I cannot make this up. And it blew my mind that this was even something that came up. When uh, Steve Kerr obviously has been out for this series for some time now, and because he's been out, they hadn't been playing too well. So the backup coach was getting heat for the uh, Golden State Warriors not playing well. And I didn't understand that because you have a collection of Avengers pretty much that are out there on the court that's playing basketball at a higher level than anybody else playing basketball. has nothing to do with coaching, Gary. I don't think it has anything to do with coaching as it relates to the NBA. It has everything to do with are my shots falling as it relates to Golden State because they take a lot of threes. Correct. I think Golden State, they live or die by the three. Yes. If their threes aren't falling, they usually don't win the game or it's a super close game if they do eke it out because they don't have that interior threat. They thought James Wiseman was going to be the guy. He hasn't turned into it yet. I think he has the ability. He just hasn't got there yet. Draymond, he can give you stuff inside, but he's not a scorer on offense with his back to the basket. He's a, he can scrap, he can like 
he can scrap and get rebounds and shoot a little bit, but he's not going to be a guy who's just going to back you down and do a post move and score like Jokic or like Embiid is not that type of player, but he doesn't have to be because he has those shooters. So if they ever got a big man that could actually do that, I mean, they might would be unbeatable. They were already unbeatable when they had like, they're, they're, they're almost unbeatable now with just shooting. If they actually yeah. had a big man that could play with the back to the basket and at will, and then you had to worry about that too. I don't know how you stop it. Well, that's the thing, though. I, the the Golden State Warriors don't operate well with a big guy inside that that plays that type of game, because they they're their running gun. Hey, we everybody shooting threes, literally everybody shoot threes, uh, and most of the time they fall. That's the type of game plan that they play. Hey, we'll go. You can go three for five or fourteen or sixteen from two points and we'll do the same thing from three and then we'll beat your ass by 30. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, yeah. that's why it's so fun to watch. And that's why I don't think they lose. I, and I, I, I was saying that Steph Curry should be in the conversation of one of the greatest players of all times, not just the shooter. I think he offered. I would agree. I, I think I he offered. I would say. Top 10. Huh? I would say, I'd say you could argue he's in the top 10, but here's it. Here's the, here's the problem that I have with it. He's often compared to Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller was just a shooter, bro. He he come off screens and he take that shot. His thing wasn't getting to the basket. His thing yeah. wasn't, hey, whatever you need from me, hey, my three's not falling. I'm going to go in. I'm going to create my shot. I'm going to get these, these mid-range jumpers off. I'm going to get these layups. I'm going to distribute the ball. I'm going to kick it out because I know they have to double me. If they don't double me, I'm going to bust this dude's ass that's guarding me. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they get a lot of wide-open dunks and a lot of nice assists. They didn't do that with Reggie Miller and that Pacer team yeah. back in the day. Uh, so I would say you, you could have an argument that he's a top-10 player of all time. You definitely have an argument. I don't think you can put him in the top five, but that's just me personally. But I think that's also that's also – Part of that is because of the team he has. He hasn't had to rely on just him. He's always because he, they drafted well. They've had the same core. They play well together. He doesn't have to put it all on his. You can have Clay Thompson drop forty and he can drop fifteen and be good, and they still win. The thing is with Jordan, he had to do it himself. LeBron at times had to do it himself. Kobe at times had to do it himself. Kareem had talent around him, and he still did it. So, like, I would say you had the argument. Yes, you could mention him. I don't think you put him in the top five, and it's not a deterrent of him. It's more of the team he has around him. He hasn't right. had to do it all himself, which right. hurts him and his legacy in general. Right. It's it, and and making it to the Hall of Fame is all based on the responsibilities and which which role you played on your team. Correct. Uh, I mean, that's just basically what it boils down to. Thank you again, Gary. It's it's been fun. Um, is there anything else before I'll we just wait till next week? You might not like uh, when we tear down the next two in tears. Ah, uh, y'all some haters, bro. I want to <laughs> break down these reels that you be putting out now. I, I love it. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Well, thank y'all for listening to us. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, uh, everybody, stay safe out there, and uh, we hope you enjoy your beautiful Monday today. We out. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to the Cinnamon and Sugar Podcast featuring D'Angelo Williams and Gary Barnage. You are now listening to 